1: OutKick 360 is back across the OutKick network. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Paul Koharski with the day off. Teresa, we hope you feel great, feel better, and you're back at it very soon. Um, big show plan today. Primary complaint coming up in 45 minutes. David Reed and Jakob Swanson Making the show happen for us. Reed is the chairman of the board. Regan McCross and our production assistant. Lance Lee under the weather today. We hope Lance feels better. Uh, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny down the hall as we broadcast live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee, Blackbird Studios and the Blackbird Academy. Chad,
0: good morning. I'm starting to think that Lance Lee just doesn't like me. Uh, <laughs> I, I go away for six work days. Yeah, you haven't seen him in a week. While. And then we had the holiday on July 5th. Haven't seen Lance in a while, get back on Tuesday, ready, raring to go, come in, wanting to see the whole gang, walk in, and guess who's not here? Lance Lee, feeling under the weather, something, all right, you know, got a little bit of a sickness, he'll be back tomorrow, all is well, Lance doesn't hate me, he'll be back to see me tomorrow, come in today, and Jacob Swanson informs me that Lance Lee is in fact out for a second straight day, which now I'm starting to think maybe it's a me problem, uh, now that I'm back, so... We'll have to bridge bridge the gap when Lance gets back in. I feel like Paul is the least likable of this crew by far. I think Paul would want you to say that. If Lance was going to, in fact, I know this through (laughs) evidence. If Lance were to miss a day with someone here, it would be when Paul came back and not me. So Lance, if you're watching right now, first off, get better. Second, I hope I didn't do anything to offend you in a way that would make you not want to come see me and I hope you're back tomorrow to come see me. Not these guys, but me specifically, because that's how bad I want to be reunited with Lance Lee.
1: We want to set a record today for social interaction with you. At Outkick360 is where you can join us on Twitter. Join the YouTube chat as well. We're about to log in. We'll be there live with you where you can join the chat in real time with us. Just search out Outkick360, and while you're there, hit the subscription button ring that bell so that you know we go live every day at noon Eastern you'll get that alert you also get alert anytime that we send or post new content to the channel the outkick 360 channel exclusively on YouTube again hit that subscription button give us a thumbs up for today and by doing so you're automatically registered, registered to win a great prize pack from both from Sony and uh, the uh, Sony and Hertz Audison where you have quite the $2,500 value prize pack here from Sony and Hertz Audison, the complete car stereo. Everything is included here. We're going to be drawing at the end of next month if you're subscribed to the channel. So join us, and you're automatically entered to win the Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. They're coming into town this weekend to uh, hang out with 360.
0: Every single day, Hutton, I log in. I'm I'm on the YouTube page right now. Log in, I see more and more people subscribing to the YouTube channel, but I still see that prize and I think to myself, we could do better. We can do more. If you you have a chance to win that level of prize, we're talking about thousands of dollars in value with that prize. It's just simple as go and hit the thumbs up. Go hit the subscribe button to subscribe to the YouTube channel and you are registered to win that prize. So we appreciate everyone that's been registering and subscribing to the OutKick360 YouTube channel, but keep doing it. Every single day I go back, I'm looking at it right now, I'm seeing more and more people uh, that are almost 1,500 people today that have subscribed to the channel. Let's get that number going up and giving more people a chance to win that great prize.
1: David Reed has been living the life of an OutKick360 night out for about a week straight now, where he's been going at it and getting after it, night after night, over the holiday weekend, that included last night, at the Jimmy Buffett concert in downtown Nashville. Read on a scale of one to 10. How would you rate the show and your thoughts on the performance, given the fact that uh, this is the first concert you've attended since the pandemic?
2: Uh, it was. I mean, it was a good show. I think the band was ready for the show more than the fans were. Oh, really? Yeah, they seemed very uh, grateful to be back working again. They put a, apparently, they put a, they've been rehearsing for months to get back on the road, not even knowing when it was actually going to happen. But, I mean, it was a Buffett show. Is there another guy on the planet who has a life like Jimmy Buffett?
1: I've never seen him live.
2: Well, I mean, the guy just lives at the beach, writes songs about living at the beach, and goes and sings songs about living at the beach. Like, for however old he is, he has more energy than. Probably anyone in this room. Uh, I he's, think that's, that's due to a low-stress lifestyle.
1: He's the original Kenny Chesney. That's what you're saying. He's uh, Basically, yes. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Buffett with uh, a show last night. I, I, I had a couple of friends that went, and they, they really enjoyed it. I saw some of the posts. Uh, and Reed was there last night. Reed will be going to sleep at 1 o'clock today. Yeah, that's I'm the prediction.
2: A, I'm way too old for a weekday concert, especially when it starts at 8 p.m. Like That's already past my bedtime.
0: Jimmy, 8 p.m., passes bedtime, amazing. Uh, my grandmother, once she turned 90, <laughs> was going to bed later than that. Jimmy Buffett, 74 years old. I just looked it up. Oh. Because I feel like this is a guy who's going to live to be 110. Yeah. He seems like the most low-stress individual with his lifestyle. There was it, was, it was either Washington Post or New York Times, did a huge profile. I think it was New York Times, because uh, Jimmy Buffett has a Broadway show. So he was, they wrote this Broadway show, and he was there in the pre-production of this Broadway show about Jimmy Buffett's songs, basically set to Jimmy Buffett's soundtrack. This was a few years ago. But I was amazed at his level of involvement in all of the Jimmy Buffett enterprises, the hotels, the restaurants, everything, like how involved he is in the day-to-day business of it. And that he was flying up to New York to get this Broadway musical ready to go. Uh, was pretty incredible because I was thinking, just like Reed, he does spend most of his time at the beach and living that lifestyle, but he's a businessman also, and he has made a lot of money off of that. I don't get it. I've said it before. I think you are either all in on Jimmy Buffett or you just don't understand it. I don't understand his voice. I don't get the appeal. I think some of his songs are somewhat catchy, but I'm not a huge Buffett fan. But, man, if you're in, you are all the way in on Jimmy Buffett.
1: I was all the way in on the match yesterday, yes. uh, Chad. I feel like I'm in the minority here. I have not seen the ratings for either the the match or the NBA finals. And while I don't expect Look that up, Regan. I, I, I I'm not saying that I, I expect that uh, the average sports fan is sitting down to watch all 18 holes. I bet I watched, uh, and, and I know it, it ended early because uh, Rogers and Deshambo won three and two over Brady and Mickelson. I bet I watched a solid 12 to 13 of those holes last night from Montana. The setting was perfect. I love the personalities. I love the fact that you get to chat with those individuals uh, in, the, in the carts. A little trash talk that's a manufactured a bit, but again, I'm here for it. Um, did you watch as much as I did, Chad? And did you were you like me? I flipped over to the NBA Finals after I watched that just because of the spectacle of getting brady and rogers on the screen yeah we had a championship going on and i would rather watch the match with mickelson and brady i'm
0: with you i i I got into the the second half of the nba finals and i was sort of back and forth throughout but late afternoon until that game started i was all in on the match the scenery of montana and i tweeted this out also i watched the show yellowstone and every time i watch yellowstone i love the show But my main takeaway is I really want to go to Montana. Like This is a place, I look at this place and think, I could live in this state at some point. I want to retire to a place like Montana with those views and that fresh air and all of it. And then I watch the match and I'm reminded of how much I just want to visit Montana, a state I've never been uh, been to. I I tweeted that out. The amount of recommendations for places to go in Montana that started flowing in from people was amazing. I went to the reserve at Moonlight Basin, the golf club and resort, their website. It was shut down. I think everyone going to it crashed it. It would not load up. Wow. Forever, every other website would load. It wouldn't load. I couldn't go to it because I was was trying to figure out how much does it cost to stay at this place if you go to the actual resort on this golf course. It was beautiful watching this. And I I thought the personalities meshed well together. Um, There's something both fun and also to me personally infuriating about watching guys who aren't professional golfers golf in a professional setting on television. So when you see Tom Brady shank golf balls, I think it's natural to get a little bit of enjoyment from that because the guy is so perfect in the game of football and seemingly in in the game of life. But then I watch Aaron Rodgers in this thing and I'm thinking, this guy's only played eight rounds of golf this off season, he was great. I mean, he saved them time and time again putting in this, in okay, this so event. It was amazing was watching great,
1: his shots. But even watching them off the tee, and some of those shots were horrendous, Incredible. but you can relate to them as the average yes. golfer. The guy has played more than eight rounds. Like he's, he's lying when he says that. He's, he's better than just an eight-round player to show up and play with. And, and Those guys do a great job of handling pressure. That's why they're in the positions they're in. But there's pressure with being on national TV and out of your element that Brady and Rodgers are in, in that moment, where they're okay with the fact that they can hook a shot off the side of a mountain, <laughs> off the cliff, and live to talk about it on national TV. And being It's a, it's a bit embarrassing. Like I, I hate being on a tee where uh, it's me and friends and we have a group behind us that are A players waiting on us to tee off and hurry up and they watch us tee off and look horrendous. Like personally, I hate that feeling. I can't imagine doing that on national TV as one of the best to, to ever play the game and the greatest of all time, and putting the you know the sports reputation out there a bit. As competitive as those guys, those guys are, I respect it. As easy as it might be to show up and get the paycheck.
0: I so they have that seven hundred seventy-seven yard. Par five, yeah, yeah, right? That's yeah. like straight downhill.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, I think that was the hole where Rogers outdrove Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> who's the biggest you know driver in the history of the PGA Tour, maybe next to, to John Daly, but certainly the best currently. Uh, I know he was on like I think fifty yards in front of him on the on the amateur tees where he teed off, but it was amazing to, to watch some of those shots. Super impressed uh, by Aaron Rodgers in, in this event, his poise, his play. It pissed me off to watch as someone who golfs just occasionally, and I would never understand how someone can go out and look that good in that setting uh, with all that pressure on them. But, I mean, this is what these guys, as you said, it's what they do. I'll take it a step further, Hudden. We played sand volleyball when I was up in Nebraska. And I hate looking bad playing a sport so much that I put pressure on myself playing sand volleyball against in-laws that are watching, not just a group of strangers that's an A player in golf, But I want to look the part of an athlete when I'm out playing sand volleyball against my niece, who's a high school volleyball player, and her mom, who's a former college volleyball player. I'm thinking, I'm not going to lose. And guess what? I didn't lose. You didn't lose. I didn't lose. But I also, the main thing to me is I don't want to look foolish doing something. So that fear level of just not wanting to look foolish. There was one moment in the match yesterday that really jumped out to me. Tom Brady, and I forget the hole it was on. But they had to bleep him out for like a solid seven seconds. He he hit the he hit the wrong club. Basically, he thought he had a great shot at it, and it landed way short. And he hit it perfectly. So he he picked the wrong club. Yeah. Or, or Phil maybe gave him some bad advice. Well, they had that seven-second delay of Brady just a string of F-bombs. <laughs> you could tell, and they went back in, because they showed him they with no sound, they showed him mouthing what he was saying. Yeah. Just a string of F-bombs. And Brady just quietly gritting his teeth, goes to the to the golf cart and puts his clubs in. And you could tell there was a moment where he had to realize, oh, I'm still on camera. Because, I mean, he was livid. Yeah. I mean, so angry at that shot. And his face is getting red, his jaw's clenching. And then he looks up at the camera and kind of – and just sort of softens his face for a second. But I'm thinking, how great is it to get just a little – because, you know, at times it feels like they're playing it up for the cameras with – You know, they're trash-talking Phil about his slow play. Aaron Rodgers and Bryson making fun of him for it. But that was a very real, intimate moment of, oh, here's the greatest quarterback of all time, getting legitimately pissed playing a game that's not his game. This is not his game, right? But he's still going to get that mad like he just threw a pick on first down and goal in the Super Bowl because that's how those guys are wired.
1: By the way, the the best part... I thought the best line was from Brady whenever they had Gronk call in, which was planted. I mean, that was planned. Uh, But Gronk called in and asked what he was up to, and he said, oh, I'm just studying up for the season. I'm studying the competition. And he says, look, I'm 30 yards away from Aaron, who's the leader of the Packers, I think. (laughs) I mean, those little jabs are why why I'm watching. But, But also... I'm going to get your take on this. I'm he gonna... also,
0: by the way, said, put Gronk back in my ear because I always play better when he's, talking trash. What, he's trash. talking trash to me. He's like, so for this next, he buries a punt while Gronk is talking trash to him. And he says, no, keep him in my ear. I'm always better when he's talking trash.
1: And let us know on the YouTube chat what your thoughts are on this. Uh, I'm, I'm watching it as the match ended last night. I'm thinking to myself, okay, who came out of this looking better than what I thought? And I think going into it, I expected this to do. Great for Aaron Rodgers, right? And the persona and him being able to joke around, and he did a little bit of that. Um, I I came away liking Bryson DeChambeau a lot more because I respect more his um, I now respect his approach to the game a bit more, where he comes off as you know some people would say he comes across as a douche. I'm watching him and he's going through like the math the the gif of all the the mathematics in the head, as you, you see the. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, Chad, yeah. on the phone? Yeah. Like that, that's. Zach that Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. He, he approaches every hole like that, where he's giving Aaron Rodgers his perception of how to set up the shot and the mannerisms and the mechanisms that he goes through to find out what he's going to do. Him searching for the golf ball off, off the side of the cliff where he thought a fake bear was going to come out and scare him on purpose. And he finally just said, "Okay, guys, I've I've got to get I've got to get back with it here." And you just cut off the interview because he was so in tune. He had that little viewfinder thing too. Yeah, he kept looking yeah. out yeah. through his
0: little telescope. I don't telescope.
1: know. I, <laughs> I, I guess what he came across more likable than what I expected he would of the four. Uh, I, I still want to see Kepka in that setting. I want Kepka to be the next guy that plays with Phil.
0: I think okay. I, I was looking forward to watching Deschamps in this this setting just for that reason. Because I went into it thinking, okay, I'm going to like him more than I do right now. And I came across liking his personality. I'll say it this way. I understand his personality. Having right. watched this now? We all know people like that. Very analytical. He doesn't really mean to be a jerk at times. Even when he was celebrating, it came across as him being a jerk. But it wasn't. I- this is going to be very controversial. But I don't think the dislike of Bryson DeChambeau is his fault. I think it's his face. I think that it's just his overall demeanor. I think it's something about, and this is not his fault, it's the hat. But he didn't have the hat yesterday. That's also a a key point. Yeah, it's the look on his face. But just in general, there's something about the guy. We have talked about punchable faces in sports and people that just have a smirk that you don't like. I came out of that event, Hutton, thinking, us not liking Bryson DeChambeau is not really his fault. It's more our fault because we see Bryson DeChambeau as a douche. Because that's the way he looks <laughs> yeah. at all times. And even when he was interacting, you could tell the guys like him. Like even Phil Mickelson liked him while they were going back and forth. Yeah. But Brooks oh, Kepka doesn't. And I'll Phil say this is about in charge of that event. I am Team Brooks on this yeah. when it's the Me rivalry too. between them Me two. Too. But Brooks Kepka is the one who's the jerk. That is what I think people are missing. I think that DeChambeau is more of a misunderstood mischievous type of guy who thinks about things in a different way. So when he says, it's almost the, the, the person you know that doesn't have the social wherewithal to break news to you the proper way or to disagree with you in a way that doesn't make you feel smaller than him. That's Deshambo. I don't think he's meaning to do it. I think it's the way his brain works. I think it's the way his face looks. Well, And you know, I think that's why people don't like him. I think Brooks Kepka, and I'm fine with this, I think he is legitimately an a hole the way he carries about his business, right? Yeah, yes. I think that him, we talk about the legitimate moment with him and Deshambeau where he's cursing when he walks behind him. I think that's more Brooks Kepka than Deshambeau. And that was my huge takeaway about Deshambeau in this event. I think more people can relate to Kepka, and that's why they
1: like him more. Yeah. That, because everybody has that little bit of animosity in them. And with with the Shambo, you know, he's wearing the Puma hat, the style hat that j- makes him stand out. He can hit it a mile, but he's also grunting and trying to wear back like he's in a longest drive contest at Top Golf. You know, there there's something about that that people don't like. He talks about the calorie intake. He says he eats 3,000 calories per round, like during a, during an actual round, uh, because he's walking eight miles. By the and, way, that's a mid-morning snack for David Reed. He's three yeah, thousand calories. Yeah, that's Lucky Charms, and that's, that's only that's, the marshmallows.
0: That's that's brunch. That's the yeah. that, That's not just a brunch for. That's a brunch for brunch sake. That's he actually had breakfast and lunch. He's not combining the two. He had breakfast, then brunch, then lunch, and that's the three thousand. It's calories. ten thousand boxes of Magic Spoon. Right, <laughs> that's what it is, but the. So you know, he has a David Reed snack during each and it, round. It
1: was a great, yes. It was a great uh, question by, I think it was Charles Barkley, who saw him eating all of these energy bars throughout the round. And finally, by like whole 13 or 14, he asked him, he was like, How much are you eating and consuming on a daily basis? And he actually said, Well, per round, I'm trying to consume 3,000 calories because I'm walking eight miles on average per round. And I, I don't want to burn off that much because he's trying to put weight on. He's trying to gain power and speed. And so it's all very analytical. He's eating at a certain time on the, on the course. Like it's all pre planned, and I think that rubs people the wrong way. And how He's great. He's also walking behind a shot on purpose yeah, with Kepka. Like for sure. There are some things he does
0: to poke the bear. I also think um, Charles Barkley is made for events like this. He is great. He adds a lot of humor. And just his ability to... I mean, he's genuine about his admiration of Tom Brady. When he talks about Tom Brady, he told the story... I remember him telling the story also during the Peyton match about them golfing together at Lake Tahoe or somewhere and him waking up, you know, hungover one morning, and Tom Brady's out in the parking lot running wind sprints on the lines <laughs> oh, yeah, in the parking lot because yeah. he had to get ready for training camp. And then they're going to go out and play 36 holes that day again. And just how... That blew him away because Charles Barkley said, like, "I would never do anything like that," you know. Especially now, he's like, "I don't know what a wind sprint is now that I'm retired." But just his his discipline and his commitment uh, to his to his craft really impressed Charles Barkley. His ability to connect with those guys, ask them questions, talk to them—you can tell they respect and like Charles Barkley also. And I, I thought something was really funny that Barkley brought up when Brady got really upset and had the string of curse words. And then got in his, his, as he was angry in the golf cart, you could tell he was angry. Barkley said, I like seeing Brady get angry because I've never trusted a guy who doesn't get angry. (laughs) He said, if I'm playing golf with someone and you don't have a tirade at some point, I don't trust you. He's like, so I like seeing people legitimately get angry when they're playing sports. It's also
1: very hard to not like someone in that setting on that show. And the match with all the—I mean, it, it to me—it's well. Okay, it, the one
0: person we haven't talked about it's yet. A is perfect Aaron rehab
1: there. Well, I, even with him, like I, I thought he was fine. I, I he think was, he, he was still the same demeanor, but he had some—he had some funny moments. You know, he's singing in the golf cart, listening to some type of music that clearly only Aaron Rodgers would like. He's talking with Bryson about you know, just be one with the earth, just lay down in the grass instead of actually using your viewfinder to figure out how to get to the green, like. The, those are certain certain quirks with Rodgers that I think people can also appreciate there.
0: I think that Rodgers, though, has a lot of the same um, qualities as DeChambeau. Yes. Yeah. I've I i find I've always been struck by Aaron Rodgers because I think that he seems like he'd be a fun guy to hang out with once you sort of got on his level in a conversation or hanging out with him. But it takes a lot to get there, and I think that he just thinks of things in such different ways like DeChambeau. That's why they're the perfect pairing that way. I thought Rogers probably came across as the least likable of the four, um, but still not unlikable. I mean, I think you're right, Hutton. It's hard to come across as completely unlikable in the setting. V Love, by the way, interact with us all day. At OutKick360, YouTube chat, Twitter, everywhere. Uh, we want your interaction. V Love has a great description. He says Bryson seems like he was homeschooled or a car rider if he went to public schools. Yes. And didn't socialize with the other kids. Yeah, he, he did That's not a That's a great description. That's a great description of Bryce and Deshambeau. And I think Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of that in him as well. But also, you know, there's some. We're, they're playing with. The, consider this,
1: with, with how we're overanalyzing Rodgers and DeChambeau. They're playing with Tom Brady, who has never even had coffee in his life, but yet he's the most likable dude
0: out there. What's, what does that say? Brady, the metamorphosis of Brady from hated cyborg. Yeah to human specimen (laughs) love child is amazing to witness in real time, like at the end of his career. He has become like a Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was always the, oh, shucks, goofy guy, perfect corporate pitch man. You want him hosting events and speaking. He was always that guy. And now Brady, late in his career, even with the more Super Bowl wins and everything else and the lifestyle, which is clearly different than Peyton's, has become that likable character. It's fun to watch. I mean, I cannot take my eyes off Brady. Some are going to say that's because he's so he's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Um, Barkley even made a joke. He said, "I make a point not to look Brady dead in the <laughs> eyes because he's such a beautiful person that it, it makes me feel uncomfortable to look him in the eyes." But it, it's just he's the type of personality now you cannot stop watching. Even when he's waiting to take a shot, I'm watching Brady. Now the fill part of this also with Mickelson. The guy does not shut up. I mean, he is Chatty Cathy throughout the round. To me, that became almost annoying, only because I wanted to hear more lighthearted stuff from the other guys. Yeah, but see, they... and not just Mickelson talking
1: about every shot. But Phil's the guy who has done that before, and you know Brady has too. But Phil, Phil, make no mistake, Phil is in charge of this event, and he's he's at he's putting together all of these different matches. And he's he's in charge of keeping that conversation and the trash talk going, and keeping it entertaining, hole after hole, where you're not repeating yourself over and over. Um, and he's very, as entertaining as he is on social media. Uh, he he is the glue that makes all of that hold up. I think certain guys, like if we had Tiger in there, if it were Tiger and not Phil, Tiger would be much more analytical and giving golf lessons. Now I would watch that, but Phil's more about you know. Probing and and kind of you know poking the bear so to speak, making fun of Rogers and the the Packers or you know Brady and his age. That I think that's more of what we're looking for is the entertainment value the, it goes up and up with each one of these.
0: The biggest moments of reality with Phil in this was he would hit a shot and then Deshambo would hit a shot and Phil would be what was wrong with a hundred yards. I'm not sure, but Phil would be a hundred yards short of Deshambo, and Phil would come back and say. I don't feel challenged or threatened by you. I feel defeated after seeing a shot like that. Now that I'm 51, I see that, and I don't immediately think, oh, now I want to take a mulligan and try again. There was one time where DeShambo said, hey, Phil, you want to take a mulligan? And Phil said, I'll give $100,000 to charity. (laughs) You take another shot if you want. I'm going to drive down to my ball. Because DeChambeau crushed it on that 777-yard straight downhill, and it was right on the foot of the green when he was done. And Phil said, I now just feel defeated watching you drive and the shots you can hit as opposed to me, not necessarily challenged, I think that everyone can relate to that. There are times when you see something so good or so out of your realm, you don't feel like, oh, I want to go prove that I can do that now. You almost feel like, well, that's them and this is me (laughs) at this point, and there's really nothing I can do about it. Coming up,
1: uh, a discussion and a question I have for our viewers, for our listeners Chad, I want Reed and Jacob to chime in as well. With the NBA Finals last night, and a topic I will tie in with FanDuel, and specifically now that that sports betting is completely legal here in Tennessee, along with 10 other states across the country, what we saw last night with the NBA Finals and how it ties in to the knowledge that we have going into a championship series. That's straight ahead on OutKick360. First, though, mydrhank.com slash OutKick is here for you. Look, erectile dysfunction affects over half of all men. It does not make you uh, feel like half of a man by going to mydoctorhank.com. Since 2017, My Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. They help you get low-cost ED meds, and they help you overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment. They secure your prescription. They then ship it to you discreetly, Chad.
0: That's right. You should not feel ashamed, embarrassed, any of that, about this issue. It affects half of men out there. But if you want something shipped discreetly to you, they can do that, and it's going to be shipped to you from a pharmacy in the United States. And Hutton, they've got a great offer for you right now.
1: Look at that. 50% off your first subscription order by visiting mydoctorhankcom outkick. You sign up. You tell Dr. Hank we sent you. He'll give you 50% off of your first subscription order. That's mydoctorhankcom outkick. This offer only available for a limited time. mydoctorhankcom outkick. Outkick360 across the Outkick network you can find us anywhere including YouTube. We hope you'll subscribe while you're there. Search out Outkick360's channel on YouTube. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Koharski rejoins the show tomorrow. Shout out Teresa. Hope everything's going well. Chad, a question for you because I Look, Vegas and Nevada, they they have faced this year after year after year with sports betting and what we know about sports injuries going into a game. Uh, The NHL, extremely vague. It's upper body or lower body. And while the NFL gives injury reports for that very reason, um, it's not always completely accurate. It can be a, a head injury, a neck injury, but it may actually be a concussion. Although the NFL, to give them credit, they are much more specific about their injuries than other leagues. Last, last night, but really all day yesterday and the day before, the Milwaukee Bucks had listed Giannis as doubtful. And about an hour and a half before tip-off, he was upgraded to questionable. And at that point, you knew he was going to play. But is there, should there be more of a requirement from all leagues? Now that we're going to see this legal across the United States eventually, state by state that the betting public, that the fan knows more about the injury status, especially of the star players, going into an NBA Finals. I mean, the championship series, this will be the most bet-on event in the state of Tennessee, in the history of the state of Tennessee, for the NBA. Right? Yep. And we didn't know Giannis was going to play or not, or the the likelihood of that, which was upgraded to 50-50. Right before tip-off. Should that change? Should, should the mechanism for knowing about the injury status of certain players change? Because really, there, there was no update. There was just, uh, he's, he's doubtful, he's questionable. He tried to go and shoot around, but you really don't know. You know, the, the NFL gives the injury status where you're probable, which means there's a 75% chance you're playing. And in the NFL, if you're probable, you're playing. You're questionable, which is 50-50, and doubtful, which is 25%. Or you're just ruled out altogether. You can be downgraded on a Saturday. Let's say a guy pulls his back getting out of bed. You can be downgraded on a Saturday in the NFL, and they have to release that. If you're the visiting team, you release that as you get onto the flight to travel to the city. That's a requirement by the league. Should there be more policing of this, should there be a better policy in place for all leagues... Now that the betting public is more involved than ever? Or has this been going on for so many years and we're just now starting to see it because it's legal in the state of Tennessee?
0: We got 10 states out of 50 that have legalized online gambling. As that number ticks higher and higher, which is going to happen in the very near future, yes, there needs to be more transparency with that. I knew something was up when, uh, during our show yesterday, he was upgraded from doubtful to questionable. Yes. And that's what I knew. He's playing. And that's when I also knew that my sons minus six and a half bet looked a lot worse. At now they still covered with him playing. They still covered. No harm, no foul here. It, did, but it didn't affect it for I those that bet on the sons. They you, still won. You bet
1: that differently if you know Giannis is playing,
0: don't yes. you? Yes. Yes. I bet a lot of things. I mean, we won our parlay too, which I can't complain about. But I'm betting a lot of things differently. Yeah. Uh, in terms of in-game bets, you could make with that. So yes, i to answer your question. There needs to be more transparency. I think there will be as more and more states come online and legalize online gambling. I also think about this from a college sports standpoint. As college sports become more and more professionalized, now that college kids, we're going to talk about NIL later in the show with Grant Furking coming up at 12.15, about the impact on that, big-time college athletics becoming more and more like professional sports. Players' ability to make money off their own name, image, likeness. Eventually, when it gets to the Supreme Court, players in major college football and basketball probably to start will get paid something Mm -hmm. by the schools to be a scholarship athlete on top of their scholarship. As these things start to happen and more states legalize online gambling, they're going to have to be a lot more serious about an NFL style injury update system for college football games. RPD it on It can't just be YouTube. college coaches controlling everything and saying what they want and hiding what they want. There's going to have to be some more clearly defined injury status updates for college sports.
1: I, I, I agree. The college sports is where we're really going to be intrigued by well, this. To and, me,
0: college sports has always been the area where you could really make bank if you had an inside source. And people know. Yes. There are people
1: inside the and, programs, people inside... The Milwaukee Bucks, who know one way or the other if Giannis is going to play Game 1 of the NBA Finals, likely before they upgraded his status. In fact, I would guarantee before they upgraded his status, people within the organization at the team hotel knew one way or the other about the likelihood. Broadcasters traveling in the NFL, you know if a guy is questionable the day before. If You have a good sense of whether or not he's going to play. You can tell... Number one, is if it's a road game, if the guy's on the flight, that's a key sign that he's playing. And they don't always release that. Number two, you can tell just at the team hotel the vibe of certain players, whether or not they're going to play. And R- RPD, we appreciate the, the comments on the YouTube chat. He's saying, uh, hell no, it's called gambling for a reason. Well, this puts more of an emphasis on the inside information that certain people would know that the gambling public would not know. And you can always say Vegas always knows, and that's true. But there would be other people behind the scenes that would know this information too, specifically the leagues. And from a league protection standpoint, I would want more transparency on the injuries so that you don't have insider information leaked out for gambling purposes coming through the league
0: for won- fear of that. I wonder how much cooperation the different sports books have with each other. Because typically when there is an injury rumor or mm-hmm. a game is taken off the books, this happens in college sports all the time, right? Rumor is the star quarterback got arrested and may be out on Saturday. Boom. Every sports book pulls that game off the, off the books. You can't bet on it until there's clarity, right? And it happens quickly. And sometimes Vegas is the, is the one that signals it to everyone else that something's up. When a game's brought off the books and then you're thinking, okay, what's the injury? what is going on with that game that it's not available for betting right now. I've talked to Todd Furman, who's a co-host of Fox Bet Live, about this before. He's talked about having sources at almost every program in the job that he does, in handicapping, in knowing people in programs. So to build on what you're saying, Hutton, would you prefer an honest, transparent system in college sports, the NBA, everywhere of here's what's going on, here's the injury status, we're going to let everyone know, or would you prefer the old system and the system going on right now of the Todd Furmans, the Vegas sportsbooks of the world having inside sources and the market dictating it? When you start seeing unusual amounts of money going in on a team, Vegas adjusts, right? The algorithm is in place that if I'm seeing a ton of money come in all of a sudden on Arkansas to cover the 17 and a half against Ole Miss this week, Mm -hmm. immediately the light bulb goes off in Vegas and thinking something's up, something's going on there that all this money's rushing in right now. We better take that game off the books or research this some more or adjust the spread to see what's happening, right? So to me, I prefer a little bit of both. I do think that they're, you know, to RPD's point, it is gambling for a reason. It's obviously a game of chance, Some of this needs to be a little bit mysterious leading up to game time, but I'm also all about injury transparency in all these leagues, in all sports, at least a better level than what we have now with the NBA as your example. Hit us up
1: on Twitter at OutKick360, uh, where last night the Suns get it done despite Giannis playing, and Giannis put up, what, 20 points? He had 17 rebounds. Uh, Ayton was the difference, though, last night. 22 points, 19 rebounds, including some big boards late as the Bucs tried to make that run. They cut it to single digits, and then quickly the Suns put it back up. Chris Paul with an unbelievable performance for uh, a guy that's playing in his first NBA final, going for his first title, where he puts up 32 points, 9 assists. Um, look, Booker with 27, Ayton with 22, the Suns looked like they belonged last night. And with the Bucks getting Giannis back, so did they.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, Giannis and the Bucs, it's an interesting mix right now because I think you could argue that the Bucks play better together and get stuck less times when Giannis isn't there. But Giannis is clearly a guy you want in oh, yeah. for a number of reasons. I'm not, I'm not arguing they're better without Giannis. But I do think that they, the offense flows better at times without Giannis. So it's an interesting spot for the Bucs. The Suns have never had a problem with their offense flowing. DeAndre Ayton eats glass. I had a college basketball coach once describe a player that, that way that, that gets every rebound. This guy eats glass, and you're going you're gonna to make money. I, I forget who he was talking about, but it was a player in college basketball, and I asked the question, "Will it was John Cooper, in fact, former TSU coach. I said, will this guy be successful In the next level. I'll tell you the player, was Kenneth Fareed when he was at Murray State and he was coaching against him and he said he will make a paycheck playing because Kenneth Fareed eats glass and he'll continue to do that at the next level which I thought was an apt description. DeAndre ate in the same way. The dude is a rebounding machine and he knows the mechanics of it. He's got great anticipation, great rebounder. Love watching him play. And how good do you feel for Chris Paul? 36 years old, this point in his career, multiple teams, getting a chance now at his first NBA Finals and coming through in Game 1 to that level and looking as fresh as he has in years in this playoff run has been remarkable. Again,
1: hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. That's where you can primary complain with us. Primary complaint is straight ahead. You can email yours in at 360 at Outkick.com. 360 at Outkick.com is the show email address. That's how you can contact us, and that's how you can complain. We'll feature your complaints for primary complaints straight ahead on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. This is Becca Risley's favorite segment straight ahead uh, where you can email in your primary complaint 360 at outkick.com. 360 at outkick.com. You can also interact with us on Twitter and on social media throughout Instagram, on YouTube. Just search out Outkick 360. It is time for primary complaints. My primary complaint this week, guys, straight and to the point, and it's more visual than it is audible, but I will describe what we're watching courtesy of Fox. This is downtown Nashville, 17th Avenue North, right after the fireworks, Colin Kirby is in the convertible in front at a red light, and there is a car that pulls up next to him, Rolls down the window and throws a firework into the open convertible. Here's the firework tossed in. It's already lit. It fires off and then explodes in the back seat right behind Colin Kirby's head. This is the reason we can't have nice things. And I hope they find this guy. And I hope he gets whatever punishment's coming to him. They're looking for the sedan right now in downtown Nashville. Screw you sedan driver, and whoever was in the back seat. That's my primary complaint.
0: This is taking the harmless old prank to the next level to attempted murder, which we definitely don't need. (laughs) Right. Um, My complaint is not about attempted murder, but the attempt was made and successful to piss me off. And that was my recent trip to a Jimmy John's (laughs) sandwich shop In Mount Vernon, Illinois, and I've got a little bit of visual evidence as well. Okay. What I am showing right now, I'll narrate like you did beautifully, Hutton. This is the standard Jimmy John's menu on the wall. As you can see, and if you've visited Jimmy John's, you already know, there aren't a ton of options. There's like 20 sandwiches total. And in those sandwiches, it's a mix and match of ingredients, and the sandwiches share the ingredients as you go down. There's not a lot of options in terms of ingredients. I don't expect the woman working the register at Jimmy John's to be a Michelin level chef <laughs> and to tell me every ingredient and about the process of making the sandwich. But what I do expect, and this is my primary complaint, is if, that, if I ask someone at Jimmy John's how hot is the hot Italian sub, and what type of pepper is on the sub, your response should never be, I don't know, I don't eat that sandwich. There are only 20 sandwiches for you to be familiar with. The peppers are right next to you. You could ask anyone. You could go look at the peppers. You could turn around and tell me exactly what's going to go on the sandwich, or ask someone else how hot it is, or I don't know. Try every sandwich on the menu. I'm not asking you to eat the entire sub, but if you are a Jimmy John's employee, you should know what all Jimmy John's sandwiches taste like, so if I ask you, you can tell me how hot is the hot Italian sub. Telling me you don't eat it is not an excuse for you not telling me what is going on. That is my primary complaint. Well, did you...
1: Did you try the hot Italian?
0: Stuff? I ordered it. It was, was fine. It? it wasn't hot too was hot. It? it wasn't that hot. Oh. I I will I'll go ahead and tell. I am now I feel like better than the Jimmy John and <laughs> Jimmy John's employee in Mount Vernon, Illinois. I will tell you the hot Italian at Jimmy John's not that hot. It was fine. And I'm someone who doesn't love really hot things. That's why I was asking. It's not it's not hot. It was fine. So it was perfect for you. It was it was okay. It was it was it was fine.
1: Reed, Jacob, you guys have a primary complaint this week.
2: I'm sure I could think of something, so let me think. Uh, let's see, so last week around this time there was a trade in the NHL, and when I heard that my favorite player was traded away, yes. I was beside myself, and when I'm beside myself, that's about 600 pounds of man, and that's a lot to deal with. <laughs> uh, I guess a lot to deal with also is some people in the way that they do their jobs. We would love to have David Poyle on this show to explain to you exactly why Victor Arvidsson is no longer in town. He went on some airwaves and did that, the exact thing. Had nothing to do with money, said Victor Arbson just really wasn't happy here. Hmm. So there's a cultural problem inside the Nashville Predators. That seems like something the fan base would like to know about, especially on a show that's very popular like, I don't know, OutKick 360? Outkick360, do we need to remind you who we are again for those listening over at the Predators? Because you seem to forget the relationship that we've built with David Poyle over the years. Because one time, someone in charge over there didn't do their job, and David Poyle called them out for not doing their job. That's not my fault. You didn't do your job. We shouldn't be punished because you didn't do your job, Kevin Wilson.
1: Kevin Wilson deleted my phone number because he pouted that we asked a question to David Poyle last year in the bubble as to why Matt Duchesne was not made available to the media. And he whined and pouted about it and pretended as though David Poyle was insulted. Um, Poyle was fine. Poyle has been on with us in the past uh, and likely won't Poyle be Poyle had again. been on
0: with us after that question. I think question one, to, one time.
1: Yeah. One time. Uh, but Kevin Wilson, uh, who's the media relations director, deleted my phone number uh, out of a, a poutiness Uh, about him which is just ridiculous Uh, so Sean Henry if you're listening to this and and you are you you pay attention to everything we put out Uh, it's ridiculous what you had to say about OutKick and OutKick 360 and why you won't allow David Poyle on this show Uh, Kevin Wilson you as well Uh, we will still get in your building we will still be throwing and having people in our shirts throw catfish on the ice whether you like it or not that's going to happen and we'll be in attendance at the Stone because we can still get in. You can ban our credentials and you can keep people off of this show during the Tennessee Power Hour, so be it. U- ultimately, we don't care, and we're the one outlet in town that you can't control. That's my primary complaint along, alongside David Reed.
0: We were also the one outlet in town that would produce news with our interviews with David Poyle, and we loved having David Poyle on our old show. We would love to have David Poyle on this show, And it's something that we were looking forward to talking about and asking him the actual questions that Preds fans out there would want to know the answers to and not just happy talk. Well, at all times. And this is an organization that has consistently demanded happy talk all the time. And it's getting very, very old to have to put up with this all the time and to build relationships with people, and to work with them. I, I worked with Kevin Wilson since before I was a, a radio host. We're talking teens of years. Yeah, I mean, this is how long I've worked with this guy and texted him and emailed him about things. And I've had this happen also, where I'll send a text to the guy and he doesn't know who I am all of a sudden. It, it's It's infuriating. It's not how you treat people. I'm not sorry that you got offended that we talked about your team and decisions being made because that is what we are paid to do. And your job is to not take personal animosity and treat people that you've worked with and around for years and then delete them from your phone and act like you don't know who they are and then say awful things about our organization, or our show, or anything else, and not bring guests on this show. It's getting really, really old. And look, we would love to have David Poyle on the show at some point. It's not going to make or break us. That's the bottom line. We can continue going on in the Tennessee Power Hour, talking Preds when it's relevant, and doing the same job that we do. But again, it's getting very old.
1: Well, they tried to claim that they did not know, they being Kevin Wilson, who's the media relations director of the Nashville Predators. Media relations director of the Nashville Predators claimed that he did not know that we had left our former station at 104.5 The Zone, which is fine unless you think about the fact that he's admitting on that call that he hasn't listened to 104.5 The Zone in six months. Consider that as the media relations director of a professional team in a city of relevance across the country, a a team of relevance in the league, is admitting that they don't listen to the biggest sports station in town in Nashville. That's also ridiculous. And I am waiting on, I'm going to wait on a response to an email I'm sending before I go in a, a bit further on Sean Henry and what Kevin Wilson told me as to why Sean Henry doesn't want David Poyle on OutKick programming. I, I will save that uh, for uh, when I actually get a response from him, if, if he has the decency to do so. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And if you're done with this, fine. We're done with you. Um, and to this point, and Reid, I'm glad you brought this up, because this was totally unplanned. Uh, at this point, I mean, the only person we want to talk with is David Poyle. And we have done nothing but, but show him the respect that he deserves as a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame and a Tennessee Sports Hall of Famer. Uh, and I'm with Chad. We, we treated that weekly interview uh, with respect and decency. And because Kevin Wilson wants to pout and cry because he can't control us, uh, he and Sean Henry are keeping Poyle off of, our, off of our show. So be it. And Henry's doing it for other reasons. So be it. And if I need to tell the season ticket base that's listening to OutKick programming that reason, I can.
0: We have, uh, we're have we waiting, as you said, Hutton, on an email response. There is a layer deeper to this that we're talking about that will infuriate uh, a large majority of the Preds' season ticket base. We're not going there yet until we get a response. But I want to reiterate what you just said. This is not a David Poyle issue. David Poyle is not the one refusing to come on our no. show. Never has. Hutton has got a great relationship with David Poyle. They've texted at times about coming on the show about different things. Um, we love having him on. We love that weekly segment. Drake says that's, it was appointment listening when David Poyle joined our show. Uh, and I agree with you because we were getting really good things out of David Poyle. And David Poyle is an honest guy who gives you honest answers when you ask him a question honestly. This is a Kevin Wilson sean henry issue with our show with our company for whatever reason we may get into one of those reasons at some point but it's not the way things should go it's getting old as i've said before and uh yeah we're angry i'm going to save some of this for when paul gets back because i know he's going to have thoughts on it as well Uh, but i really look forward to those conversations with david poyle and uh, Probably never going to happen again uh, at this rate. Kevin Wilson
1: claimed that my number, whenever I called, popped up as spam. And, and this is the same number I have texted for years uh, at, at, in setting up interviews and coverage of the Nashville Predators. How lame is that? How uh, Think about that, Chad. Deleting, well, deleting a media member's number as a media relations director because you're whining and pouting over a question asked to your general manager who is also the, the face and the, the – the, he's, he's the guy speaking on behalf of the franchise because he'll answer things honestly.
0: Well, let me go back to um, what you said about the lack of knowledge of us leaving 104.5 yeah. Zone. I, I'm not going to get on to someone that is, uh, is a construction worker. That's my that's that my listen point here. that listens to our, our right. show. Right. That listen to it, and then I run into them, you know, at a game or at the bar and they say, hey, where did you guys go? What happened to you guys? Right? That that's fine. I'll I will calmly explain to them where we left and, and what we're doing now and how to find us. That's totally okay. I don't expect everyone to know. We're not so, you know, pumped up on our own ego that we think everybody knows exactly where we are at all times. And where to find us that's why we're constantly telling people where to find the show that people listen to for almost a decade on another station but what i do expect is a media relations professional in the city of nashville to know a story that was covered by the tennessean by multiple other outlets by outkick.com and clay travis and as hutton said to know the programming on the sports stations in your city and what has happened with them. Claiming ignorance on that is also telling the world that you're not doing your job. If I was a media relations director in any city in America for a pro sports team, this is a big four pro sports team, it would be incumbent upon me to know the lineups for every sports talk show in that city, to have at least some relationship with them, and to know what's going on from a media standpoint in my city. That is part of the job description. It's inexcusable.
1: Well, and they were also, what is Outkick 360 was one of those questions. And that's fine. Uh, he had no clue that Midday 180 uh, had, had been off the air and had, had, is now, as a trio, Outkick 360. Let me reintroduce you to who we are, Kevin. Uh, we are the show that the Nashville Predators attempted to sponsor and become the title sponsor of in order to gain more control over the content of our programming and that we staunchly stood up and said, absolutely not. We will not be 102.5 5 the game. Um, we are the show that you called and whined about whenever Chad was giving out the national anthem singers and threatened to take P.K. Subban off the air of 3HL, pitting show against show if we did not stop giving that news on our show. So we were the bad guy to people that we were working alongside because we were giving Preds information that you didn't like, so you were going to take away another show's weekly guest. That's the show, and that's who we are. Um, Also, it's the show that Sean Henry would cold call and sit on hold anytime 102.5 The Game would have a Predators guest on, and we, we were told this by Game Employees. Anytime you were talking, that station was talking Predators hockey during football season, Sean Henry would cold call our show, trying to get on to make sure that the other station, the best station compared to the other, was also talking hockey so that people listening to the game weren't turning the channel. That's who we are. And no, we we didn't take those calls. We didn't automatically go to the team president's phone call because we knew exactly what you guys were doing. That's who we are. And we were also the show that had the best chat with David Poyle and really enjoyed it. Like, honestly, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation with Poyle, who is excellent at what he does and is honest and opinionated on any topic across the league and about his team. It was genuine. And your organization is anything but behind the scenes. And if you hear all
0: of that right there and you think, I don't like these guys because of that level of honesty and sticking up for our show against the pro sports team in town or wherever, then we're not the show for you. And I'm, I'm very rarely going to condone turning us off and not paying attention to us. But if you heard all of that and you think that we're wrong or that I don't want to listen to a show that's genuine like that, we're probably not for you. But for all the people who have listened to us for years and know what we do and know what we've done on OutKick 360, welcome. And we're going to continue doing just that. And screw everyone who has a problem with it, because this is how actual media business is conducted in the America that I love. And that's how we're going to continue to conduct business on this show. Well, for far too
1: long, things were done behind the scenes that we weren't allowed to talk about. And we're, we're just not going to stand aside and let them control the narrative here. You know exactly who we are. And, Sean, you know exactly why you're not allowing them to come on Outkick 360. And if you'd like to talk with Kevin about that, he's the one that told me. I'm happy to explain it here, uh, but I'm waiting on a response from you, giving you the, the, I'm putting that out there, because I want to clarify that before I just take the word of the media relations director who apparently doesn't know who we are. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.